Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Stephen Cavey. Stephen Cavey is the co-founder of Ground Labs, leading a global team empowering its customers to discover, identify, and secure sensitive data across their organizations. As the chief data evangelist, he leads its worldwide product development, sales and marketing, and business operations, and was instrumental in extending Ground Labs' presence with enterprise customers. Stephen has a deep security domain expertise with a focus on electronic payments and data security compliance. Well, good afternoon, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for the invitation. It's a real pleasure to be part of your show today. Awesome. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you jumping on this late at night. I know you're in Singapore right now, so I appreciate it. We're here early in the U.S. Let's jump into the questions here. You've got quite the career in technology. You're an engineer, manager, and now you're the co-founder of Ground Labs. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Sure. Look, it certainly goes back a long way, more than 20 years now. I think if, if I look back a long time ago, look like a lot of people out there, when you're in your teens and early 20s, it's fair to say for a lot of us, you don't necessarily have all your plans clearly laid out. I certainly had no idea that I would end up being part of the electronic payments industry or, or what is now today called fintech. And that actually directly explains how I ended up growing my career in security. Back then, what I did want to do, or what I knew I wanted to do, was computing. You know, I remember one of the head teachers in my schools, you know, he, he was trying to assess where I wanted to go and I wanted to do a particular course. And he wanted to validate that I was absolutely true about what I was asking for. And he had absolutely no doubt in his mind that I was really clear that whatever I was doing, it was something to do with computers. And in the mid 90s, early 90s, as probably a whole bunch of people on this listening to this podcast will know and appreciate, if you had an interest in computers, you were fairly unique. In fact, you were sought out by others that were interested in the same thing and you bonded really easily. You know, the internet wasn't mainstream during that early period. You learned more through, say, BBSs, FidoNet, and, and frankly, just having friendships, people who shared the same interest as you did. And you would learn a lot from each other just uh, just by seeking out people that knew something about computers. And it was through that journey that I actually met my co-founder, Peter Duthie. And it would be many years before the two of us would end up founding Ground Labs together. But the two of us actually needed to go off on a separate journey and grow our careers for some years, you know, go get more real life experience, industry expertise before either of us were really ready to found our own company as, as just the two of us and grow it together. So in terms of what my career path looked like before Peter and I went off on the Ground Labs journey together, very early on, I met some entrepreneurial types, some guys who, whether we think of it this way or not amongst ourselves, that they were actually my early mentors. And and they were those kind of guys that were risk takers, you know, the, the kind of people that always had crazy ideas and would have the courage and the gumption to just go after them. And we would be working crazy hours, morning, noon and night on, on different ideas, different things. And, you know, I at that time, you know, I was very young. Uh, and I just felt I needed to stay close to these guys and work with them and learn as much as I can from them. And in turn, through just being so dedicated and so loyal to supporting whatever they were doing, I was given substantially more responsibility and trust than someone in their late teens through early 20s that would normally be given. And so, you know, I think that age old wisdom, when particularly when you're growing your career or, or looking to go start your own thing, surround yourself with people who inspire you. And ultimately, 
people who are going to drive you out of your comfort zone. That certainly played a huge part in my personal story of where I've ended up today, having gone through a career in payments and, and ultimately focusing on security, which through that experience and through that wisdom and, and knowledge created this awareness of what an industry problem that we ultimately solved in Ground Labs and, and turned into a global business. So I definitely attribute you know, my career and, and where I've ended up to my experience with those guys in the early years and really just following them because I just felt I could learn so much from these people. These are people who are not like others, you know, compared to going and just getting a career in a large company uh, and going up a, a standard corporate ladder. I felt it was much more exciting and right for me. Thanks for sharing, Stephen. I appreciate that. Love to hear your journey as I have guests on the show, their journey throughout their career and you know, where did they find their passion and how did they arrive to where they're at? So I appreciate that. And Stephen, as you know, everybody globally has had to make major shifts to adapt to this new normal, the pandemic. Could you share with us what you're doing to help your organization stay relevant in this economy? Yeah, look, I think everybody might be starting to get sick of hearing the phrase new normal. And uh, instead, they're possibly asking, when can we go back to the old normal? At least in the context of more freedom, being able to travel, hang out in larger groups, you know, etc. But look, at the same time, I think everybody is also liking this new normal in terms of their flexibility in their work. But look, to, to answer your question, Brian, we all know what happened this year. From a security standpoint, you know, what we witnessed was sending everybody home rather quickly. The priority was maintaining productivity, you know, get everybody connected using any means necessary, empower everybody to keep doing their job from home. No one can fault that approach, right? You do what is necessary, frankly, to stay in business. And we had to fully consider the, the security ramifications. But unfortunately, a lot of companies didn't have time to fully consider the security ramifications of just sending such a large number of people home and expect them to continue doing their job as if they're in the office. And there, there were so many problems that company experienced, like getting VPN set up, two-factor authentication, or even just getting company-owned devices like a laptop in your employees' hands. That's something that was a real challenge for some companies because there wasn't stock to buy a new laptop from the major manufacturers and vendors. You know, Some of them were quoting 30 or 45 days lead time. So the, the real challenge in our view um, that's been created by all of this is actually the sprawl of data. No longer is the majority of personal data handling occurring within the four walls of, a, of an office, within a corporate network that has all of the right controls in place to protect employee systems and protect customer data. All of that went out the door as soon as we sent everybody home using whatever means we could to keep them productive. And unfortunately, that included in some scenarios using personal PCs, personal devices to allow people to keep working while we we're trying to procure them laptops or whatever. So there's all sorts of challenges that have come about. But the other factor is for example, unreliable internet connections. You know, what happens if you're not getting optimal connectivity to your corporate network and you're working on live documents? And when you're having latency or lag and, and other connectivity challenges, what do you do to overcome that? Will you download the data locally so you can just keep working on it offline just in case you no longer have access to that connectivity? So th there's a lot of scenarios that we've seen in interacting with various organizations where the data sprawl, the amount of personal data and, and confidential data ending up on the endpoint is far, far greater than normal. And, and as a result, that's created far greater risk within organizations. And it, it's unfortunately come at a time when there is so much more privacy and security regulation 
Commission that just happened to come out in 2020. You know, the new version of CCPA that's called CPRA for California, you know, that came out, that was passed on the same day that the US election happened this year. So it's, you know, all very fascinating timing. But the point is that your average business that handles a lot of personal data needs to be doing the right thing by it. And then certainly this year has been a real challenge given what we've all been facing. I appreciate the share on that, Stephen. And Stephen, this is a, a good question is, and I think it's a good segue into this is how has remote work underscored the importance of knowing the location of your dispersed data? I touched on it before. Actually, the UN recently called out that there's now 132 countries that have security and privacy regulations. What a lot of businesses out there don't fully understand, rightly so, is that it's not necessarily where you are based as a business in the world that determines what security standards you must comply with. It's where your customers are located. If you're like on one side of the US and, and you have a large base of Californian customers, the Californian privacy law, the CCPA, which becomes CPRA in the future, that's a standard you have to be worried about. Or or a more clearer example is if you're a US-based business and you have a large base of European customers, then the European GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation law, applies to you. You know, this is not something that you can say, well, we're an American business. We don't have to worry about that. It's a European thing. If you're handling European data, you need to know where that European data is. And again, Again, the remote work situation has only made that far more complex to deal with. This is something that a lot of organizations are coming to grips with. We're certainly seeing the rise of the chief data officer and the the chief privacy officer in, in different organizations coming in just to really focus on this challenge and put some proper thought and strategy around it. Thank you. So Stephen, what does successful data management strategy look like in today's virtual business environment? It's a really good follow-on question there, Brian, in terms of what I've just mentioned. I think bringing it back to basic principles, many would say security and privacy is an IT problem. But the fact is that security and privacy, it's not an IT problem. It's a business problem. It always has been a business problem. The ramifications of doing this wrong, unfortunately, are that the organization could suffer substantial fines or be opened up to considerable lawsuits, uh, particularly civil lawsuits from individuals who they impact. Let's say you lost the data of 10,000 people. In our world, a data breach involving 10,000 individuals is a very small data breach, but the civil liability that would come from even just a portion of those people coming at you saying, well, you've impacted my life. I've suffered identity theft as a result of you losing my data. That could come at a significant cost. This is not an IT problem. This is absolutely a business problem. The CFO, the CEO today are far more interested in data security and data privacy than they ever have been. And the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer in you know a medium or large organization, now has almost a direct line to the board in briefing them on the challenges that the business is facing and the risks that exist and how those risks are being dealt with. So in terms of what's the solution to all of these interesting challenges, again, back to basics. The first thing is you need to know where your data is. And to know where your data is, you need to get rid of all assumptions about what you previously knew 
concerning where the data was. Because if you go and ask each department, they will have a very clear statement about where they think the data is and what personal data is being handled. And unfortunately, that is generally speaking, not always the case. Not because they're lying, not because they're hiding anything, just because there's so many more scenarios that they're completely unaware of in terms of data handling and and where data is ending up. So understand where your data is, and then you can build a proper security strategy in terms of protecting that data. You know, don't use assumption, use evidence. And once you have that evidence to understand where all the risks are in the business, now you can start to embark on a process of securing that data going forward, and you'll be in a much better position to avoid suffering a data breach. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you know your take on that, and, and I do agree. The business needs to look at the protection of the data, and I agree there's a component that IT is involved, but you're right. It's really, this is owned by the business, and absolutely, this needs to be addressed at that senior level. Okay, Stephen, last question, and, and I really want to dive into this, is what should business leaders prioritize in 2021 to ensure business continuity and success in a virtual economy? 2020 accelerated digital transformation. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Look at businesses who said they were digital back at the start of this year. Clearly, many realized that they weren't. You know, sending people home overnight tests every process that you have. And it's the most extreme version of that testing. Things will either work or they won't. You know, they'll break. And for many, unfortunately, it didn't go to plan. You know, sending everybody home, the business didn't continue working as well as it did the week before. And so a lot of things had to change very quickly. And as a result, you saw a lot of businesses making drastic changes almost overnight to get the business productive at the levels that it was previously, at the very least servicing as customers so that they didn't feel any impact from the fact that now most of the staff that you're dealing with and and most of the staff behind with whatever product or service that you might be delivering, many of them are now at home. So I actually see a lot of good out of 2020. It's forced businesses to get digital really quickly. That means a lot of efficiency, a lot more better processes have come out, more efficiency in terms of how you've dealt with your clients. I would say in 2021, just continue on your digital transformation plans. Don't stop. Continue evolving your processes, eliminate manual handling, get systems talking to each other on a deeper level, deeper integration between different platforms and and other processes, you know, strive to achieve that stronger visibility of your customer that you've always wanted, frankly, and it'll absolutely lead to a better customer experience. It'll increase your customer retention rates. It'll potentially lead to improved revenue in ground labs. We've certainly been making those same investments this year in consolidating platforms platforms and getting deeper integrations between different data sets so that we get a better visibility of our customer and they can get a better experience, you know, left hand talking to the right a lot more. But I would say as you go through all of this, like I was saying before, please don't forget to think about your data. In 2021, we have so much more regulation that we're dealing with. You have to know what data you're collecting about your customer. And I'd encourage everybody to review this. I dare say there's probably some information you're collecting right now that you don't need to be collecting. And if you don't need to be collecting particular aspects of someone's data in order to service them, then the best decision is actually not to collect it in the first place. In this new world that we live in, the more data you're collecting, 
the more risk you're taking on board. And I think that's going to be a dramatic shift that we see in the business environment going forward. Companies are going to be a lot more aware of what data they're collecting about individuals and have a real business justified reason to be collecting it and then making sure that they know where it is and that they're securing it appropriately. That's definitely going to be the theme going forward. Stephen, I appreciate that share. And you're absolutely right. This needs to be at the forefront of everybody's mind in 2021 for sure. So Stephen, I just want to let you know it was a pleasure having you on the show today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Thank you, Brian. It was a great chat. I really enjoyed it. I hope to chat to you again in the future. Thank you. Bye for now.